0: Okay, we are going to begin a new three part series uh, this morning entitled By My Spirit. By My Spirit. And the foundational uh, verse for this series is found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, where the word of the Lord says this Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. Everybody say, By my spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. In other words, if we are going to see change in our lives and we want to be living in the total victory of Jesus Christ, amen. If we're going to be living a victorious, overcoming life, if we're going to be um, seizing this Kairos moment that stands before us, if we're going to be walking on the right pathways, in our lives, if we're going to be in the perfect will of God, all these things that we've spoken about so far in 2023, and if you've missed any of them, they're all available. If we're going to be displaying the love of God that Pastor Stu spoke about just last Sunday morning, then we need to understand that it's not going to come through our own human effort. It's not going to come through our own performance. It's not going to come by us trying hard. And many Christians try a whole lot harder to do things for God. But it's going to come by His Spirit. And so over the next three weeks, which takes us into Pentecost Sunday on the 28th of May, we are going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit and His role in the life of a believer. We're going to be looking at things like being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to speak about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how that still uh, is relevant to us and what difference that makes to us in the year 2023. So today we're going to begin uh, this series by talking about what it means to truly be filled with the Holy Spirit and I want to encourage you not to switch oh yeah no I'm filled with the Holy Spirit I know what that's all about because I believe that God wants to remind us of some powerful truths today and actually cause us to live in the revelation of those truths not just know about them. So I'm going to teach a fair bit. We're going to use a number of scriptures. And hopefully by the time that we're done, for some, maybe for the very first time, you're going to discover what it means to really live a spirit-filled lives. And for others, uh, maybe you're going to be reminded of powerful truths. But hopefully we'll all be challenged by the end and encouraged about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Now, a family church, if you were to, to ask, well, what are we? There'd be a lot of answers that would come from people's mouths, right? Some would be repeatable on stage, some wouldn't be. But what, what are we? What, what kind of Christians are we? And often our response to that well, would be, well, we are spirit-filled Christians, which every single believer should be. But we are spirit-filled. Now, what does that actually mean when we talk about being spirit-filled? It means exactly what it says on the tin. It just simply means that we are believers who are filled with the spirit of We are people to have God's Spirit living within us, amen? Amen. But if you're fairly new to church, you may say, well, what do you mean, His Spirit? I remember talking to somebody once about the Spirit, and they looked at me completely confused, and I found out that the only Spirit they knew of was the one that you buy at the off-licence, or the one that you buy at the pub. And we can use all these terminologies, so maybe you're brand new to church this morning. Maybe you've only been coming for a few weeks. We never want to assume what people know and don't know, so let me just outline this for a moment because I've talked many times before that the church in, at large has often misunderstood or undervalued this gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given to us right and I've shared before that um, when you receive a gift sometimes at birthdays or Christmas you receive a gift and you know that gift where you don't really know what it is you get given a gift, someone looks at you and you're like, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing with this. And so you kind of pack it away and ignore it. And later on when you're doing a spring clean, you're like, oh yeah, there's that thing that I got, I don't really know what to do. I'm not saying this because I've received something today that I don't know what to do. Just to clarify in case I offend anyone that I have a habit of doing. So often the, the God has given us this gift, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And often the church has almost put the Holy Spirit in a cupboard. We don't really know what to do with, with him, right? So we understand God the Father. We understand the concept of that. People understand God the Son as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And we think, well, who or what is the Holy Spirit? So I want to look at really some foundational stuff just for a moment, and we're going to move on. Who is the Holy Spirit? We believe at Family Church in what is known as the Trinity. We sang about it earlier, God the Father, God the Son, and God the the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is not some mystical, mysterious force. He's not a random agent. He is the Spirit of God. And so I want to say something now that if you've been in church, you've heard many, many times before, but do you actually allow it to drop from here to here because it can be empty rhetoric so often, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead That very same Spirit, the same Spirit that was poured out upon God's people on the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit as we'll see in a moment that was involved in creation, is the very same Spirit, God's Spirit, that now dwells within you. Okay, You have not been given a diluted form of the Holy Spirit. So often people think this, that it's like Ribena or another juice and you pour in water and it just kind of dilutes it down. That's often what people do and then they take it an extra uh, degree and think, well, if you're below 16 or if you're in kids' church, that we dilute it even more and they don't really have the real Holy Spirit. It's like a condensed version. No, no, no. The very same Spirit, the Bible says, that raised Jesus from the dead is God's Spirit which now dwells in you. Amen? Amen? Is that good news this morning? good here's something else we need to understand the Holy Spirit doesn't just appear in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit wasn't invented or made by God just to raise Jesus from the dead like God was like oh what do I do now okay I'll create the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit if you read your Bible which is a good thing to do if you read your Bible he's there from the very beginning all the way through to the New Testament the Holy Spirit has always In fact, when you begin to read the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, the very first statement involves the contribution of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1 verses 1 to 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that at family church, amen? We're not just random incidences that have arrived here. We believe in a creator who created. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of creation, or surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit was personally involved in creation. And then throughout the Old Testament, as you read through the Old Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit comes upon a person or group of people for a specific purpose in a specific moment. Let's look at a couple of them Judges chapter 15. Judges 15, there's an argument that's broken out between the Philistines and Samson, and we're not going to go into that. But you can read the background to that in Judges chapter 15. And it says, verse 14, As Samson arrived in Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Now, understand there is context to this moment. There is context to the fact it's Old Testament and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want you coming back here next week and saying, Pastor, the Spirit of the Lord came upon I slapped that person who annoyed me. But it it was the Spirit of the Lord empowering me for a moment. No, understand we're in the New Testament, new creations. But the reality is that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon a person To empower them for a moment. Let's look at a couple of others. 1 Chronicles 12 verse 18. Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, the leader of the 30, and he said, We are yours, David. Ezekiel 11 verse 5. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and he told me to say, This is what the Lord says to the people of Israel. I know what you are saying, for I know every thought that comes into your mind. You notice a bit of a pattern here. The Holy Spirit came upon Samson, came upon Amasai, came upon Ezekiel in this moment. Because in the Old Testament, before Jesus, the Spirit would come and go from people, empowering them for just a moment. For a purpose, for a specific plan that he had. But he didn't live within them. Because in the Old Testament, what we see is that the Holy Spirit was kept within the tabernacle of Moses or the temple made for God and we know that he wasn't just locked away because he couldn't come out because God can do whatever he wants but he was kept within the holy of holies in the temple right until Jesus died now let me just explain this again for some it might be like what, what are you talking about we've got a diagram if possible that's going to come up on the screen and here we see uh, the picture of a temple a simple layout and there's lots within this that we're not necessarily going to go into today, um, but it's a great study to go into at some point to understand this. And so in the old system, you could come into the outer courtyard or the holy place depending on who you were and all these kind of things, but there was only one person who could go into what was known as the Holy of Holies, which was where the very presence of God, God's Spirit that we're talking about today, resided before Jesus died, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. And so the high priest was the only one that could go into the very presence of God. And that would only take place one time a year on the Day of Atonement. Now we need to understand that the high priest was only able to do so because he was anointed, he was appointed. And there was a whole purification process that he did in order to go to the Holy of Holies. Now the Holy of Holies, as you can kind of see on there, was sectioned off by what was known as the veil. It was this huge, heavy drape that kept the the people away from the very presence of God, God's Spirit. And so the high priest, in order to go beyond that veil, would have to go through a whole purification process. They'd have to wash a certain way. They'd have to wear certain clothing. They'd have to burn incense in order that the smoke would cover their eyes so that they couldn't see the glory of God. They would, of course, have to bring uh, atoning blood from a, from a sacrifice in order to spread and in order to make right the nation of Israel for the forgiveness of their sins. Now we need to understand, here's where it may, becomes relevant and exciting for us today, and the majority of us may already know this, but the question is, do we live in the power of it? Because on the day when Jesus died, what was he being? He was being our high priest, and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, again, time doesn't allow us to go into it, but it's great study to understand that Jesus was our high priest. And he not only brought sacrificial blood, he Bled sacrificial blood, the atoning blood for all of mankind. Amen. And he went beyond the, t- the vow in a sense. And there was a moment that's recorded in Matthew chapter seventeen. I believe. No, sorry, Matthew chapter twenty-seven, where he's being crucified and he cries out these words: "It is finished." And in that moment, as many of you know, the veil in the temple physically was torn. In two. It was rent in two in that moment. And the Spirit of God left the Holy of Holies, never again to dwell in temples made by human hands, but to dwell in the life of every single one of us, every single believer who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ. That's why, this is, that's why we worship Jesus. That's why Jesus changed the story entirely. Because if Jesus had not paid for our sins, God's Spirit would not be able to live within us. Now here's what we need to understand about this. God's plan was always to live within his people, not inside of buildings. That was always the plan and the intention of God. But the problem was that the Holy Spirit of God could not live in an unholy person. That's why salvation of, of what Jesus did for us matters. Because what Jesus did at the cross means that when you placed your faith in him, For some, it may be a couple of weeks ago. For some, it may be, I don't know, 50 years ago. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, in that moment, you became holy. Amen? You became holy. Look at the person next to you and say, you're looking very holy this morning. Now, interesting who you chose to look at in that moment rather than the other way around. But the reality is you are holy because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now you may say, well, I don't feel very holy. If, if you'd seen me this morning getting up, you may say to me, I, I, I haven't felt very holy this morning. I haven't lived very holy this past week. But what we're doing in that moment is confusing behavior with identity. What we're doing in that moment is, is replacing truth with feelings. Because the reality is, Truth is not defined by how we feel in any given moment. Truth is not defined by outward behavior. Truth is defined by the word of God, amen? And if you read the New Testament, you'll see that it's very clear that Jesus has made us holy through our faith in him in such a way that we can now be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And as I said a moment ago, this was always the plan of God. You say, well, how do you know that? The prophets foretold that this was the plan of God. If you read through the Old Testament, the prophets would say, this is what God wants to do. There's numerous verses we could look at. A great example is Joel 2.28. We're not going to put it up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, Joel 2.28. There's a moment where Joel says, "And, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And that's the same prophecy that Peter referenced when he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he's preaching and 3,000 people are saved and baptised. He says, don't you remember, this is what Joel said when they were like looking, thinking, oh my goodness, they're drunk and it's nine o'clock in the morning. And he stands up, he says, no, no, we're not drunk. This is exactly what the prophets had said would happen. And this is just a manifestation of what prophets had foretold in that moment. Ezekiel thirty Let's read that one together. It says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit Within you. So all of this was prophesied hundreds of years before it happened. It was always the plan of God. Jesus, before he was crucified, would speak to his disciples and he would talk about this being the plan of God. Luke 24 49. And now I will send you the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Just as the Father promised. God had been prophesied, God had promised. He's Holy Spirit. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. John 14, 16 to 18. And I will ask the Father and he will give you an ad- another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Now how did the disciples know this Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God was in the person of Jesus. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, here's the reality. Jesus hasn't come back for them. Jesus will come back a second time. We know that. But he's coming back to collect us, his bride, the Church of Jesus Christ. What did he mean when he sat at the right hand of the Father, I will come to you? He's talking about his Spirit being sent upon the earth. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be in you. So here's what we need to understand in the New Covenant. Covenant simply means agreement in a new way of doing things. This side of the cross of Jesus Christ. That temple diagram that we saw is different because today the Holy Spirit lives in you and you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He no longer dwells in the Holy of Holies separated from all of humanity. He now dwells in the life of every single believer. He lives in you as a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit now lives in his people. That's why Paul one day wrote to the church in Corinth. And if you've ever been to a church, you think, well, that, that church's pretty wild, it's pretty crazy the way they're living. The church in Corinth was off the scale. The church in Corinth was this place where there was disunity, where they were taking each other to court over different things, where they were getting drunk in communion where there was all sort of sexual immorality and malpractice, where where they were discriminating against the poor. This was a messed up church. And so one day, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says this, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know? He's like reminding them. Hang on a minute. Somebody missed this out. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So Paul writes to a bunch of completely off the scale hypocritical Christians who are living in carnal ways, who are living compromised, and he reminds them of his truth. He says, You're the spirit or sorry, you have a temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you. In other words, you can't be one day in the kingdom of God and have the other foot over here in the kingdom of this world. So there's no point playing at this Christianity. And God would say to us today, there's no point turning up on a Sunday morning, going through all the motions and living a life that's completely different because you are the temple of a living God and God's Holy Spirit dwells within your life. And when you understand that, do you know what it does? It stops you from living a life a certain way because the Holy Spirit will convict you within. Now, the Holy Spirit won't condemn you because that's not what he does. The enemy condemns you. The enemy pours guilt upon your life. The enemy whispers in your ear about who you're not and all this kind of stuff. But the Holy Spirit will convict us and lead us into all truth in such a way that we understand who we truly are in him. There always was and always will be a plan for how God wants to use the Spirit in your life. Here's some of the ways he uses his Holy Spirit. We are born again of the Spirit. In that moment of salvation, we are born again. There was that moment that we read of in John chapter 3 where uh, God uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he talks about the kingdom of God and Jesus says, you know what, to enter the kingdom of heaven you must be born again. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Every single one of us here this morning have been born. Flesh has given birth to flesh. But he says, if you want to experience God's kingdom, if you want to know what it is to be a child of God, then you need to be born again. And what happens is we are born again of the Spirit. We are born again of the Spirit at salvation. So we are born again of the Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 talks about this like a royal mark. It's saying, God's saying, this person is mine. One day I'm coming back together and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So we are born again of the Spirit. We are sealed with the Spirit. We are regenerated by the Spirit. You say, well, what what does that mean? It means that we are given a brand new life. We are radically changed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not behavior modification. It's not trying to to earn our salvation. We are radically changed by an internal work of the Holy Spirit. He takes us from being an old creation to a brand new one. And then here's the important one that we're looking at today. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is a continual experience for us it's it's not like this morning you woke up and had to be saved again maybe you feel like the the weeks you've had you feel like you do need to be saved again but we we come and we have that moment of salvation it's a one-time moment but we've got to understand that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-off event it's a daily invitation do we believe that this morning it's a daily invitation Ephesians 5 verse 18 is a verse that we've looked at many times before where it says don't get drunk on wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit and we know that that word be filled is a continual tense it means this keep on being filled with the Spirit now that doesn't mean that you didn't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit the first time you asked sometimes you talk like this and and people think oh does that mean I got like 75% and there's like an add-on you know like a computer thing that runs out and you have to just do an add-on is that what's going on here no you received everything of the Holy Spirit that very first time that you asked But here's what we've got to recognise and understand. We can't receive more of a person, but we can receive from that person more often. That's the reality. When we are filled again, and we say, fill me again, Holy Spirit, we don't receive more of a person, we receive from that person more often. God's Spirit is now in us, not just with us. We can know the presence of God dwelling within us. Now, The Bible talks a lot about the different ways that God's presence is displayed. And you end up with all these theological terms, but let's just simplify that this morning. We, We are given the omnipresence of God. Now, when we talk about the omnipresence of God, what does that mean? God is everywhere all of the time. So when you think you're getting away with something, oh, God doesn't come here. No, no, God is everywhere all of the time. The psalmist says, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths of the earth, you are still there. This, this thought that part of the characteristic of God is that he fills everything with his presence. God is omnipresent. But we also understand that God has a manifest presence. Where his presence, what do we mean by that? Is made known by his spirit. I'm talking about those moments when you just, you, you know, God is present, but you just feel God's presence. You know, God is at work. We had a prayer meeting last Sunday night, and I want to encourage you if you think, oh, I'm not going out for prayer, you are missing out on Sunday evenings, because last Sunday evening we had a, a moment and a time where God's manifest presence was felt in a powerful way. Now what happens in those moments, it is not that the Holy Spirit suddenly decides to turn up. It's not like he was out in the one stop and thought, I'm going to come and be a part of what God's doing in this moment. Okay, What happens is God's presence that was there is felt in a tangible and powerful way. I've heard this analogy from uh, Pastor Robert Morris, before in in the States, a great way of explaining the manifest presence of God, that you can have this morning, maybe in here, a multimillionaire that sat in the service this morning, his or her presence would be here, they would be in our midst, but if they stood up and suddenly started writing checks of millions of pounds and started handing them out to every single person, suddenly. It would be that we would understand they were present, their manifest presence would be felt. When God's spirit is felt in a moment, we've got to understand and have biblical maturity that it's not that he suddenly turned up and he wasn't there before. It's that we're receiving the manifest presence of God that was there in the very first place. And in this is the one that we're focusing on today, the indwelling presence of God. Where God is no longer external to your life, but comes to live within us in such a way that we can demonstrate a spirit-filled life. Now here's a key question. Because you can know all of that that we've talked about so far. You can know all these different theological terms, and yet it not makes a scrap of difference to your life. So here's the key question I want to ask you today. And I want you leaving this place with, and, and thinking about over the course of this next week, are you living filled? Are you not another person next to you, not your neighbor? Are you living? because you can live your life sealed with the Holy Spirit you can be born again you can be regenerated by the Spirit of God or you can have that and also be living a Spirit filled life filled with the power and the Spirit of God the second option is always the far more exciting option you can allow him to fill you and lead you with power and show himself through you in the way that you live and the character that you display listen God's intention for your life, you need to know this, it's not that you would tick a box on the census every 10 years saying, I'm, I'm a Christian. God's intention for your life is not that you come along on a Sunday morning and and, and nod along and sing a few songs and go home and it not make a scrap of difference in your life. God's intention for your life, the reason he sent Jesus, not only to die for our sins, but also to raise and and defeat death so that we could be filled with the presence and the Spirit of God. God's desire is that you would be filled with his Spirit in such a powerful way that you would be set free from every addiction in your life and every bondage and every wrong mindset that is holding you back. Amen? God's intention for you is that you, filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the pastor, not just this person, but you, filled with the Holy Spirit, would lay your hands on the sick and see them recover. And not just in a church service or a Sunday evening prayer meeting, but whenever you bump into somebody who says, oh, this is going on in my life, that you wouldn't get weird, but you'd just say, do you know what, I have the Holy Spirit within me, let me just pray for you. And without making it about you, the glory would go to Him, but you would see people set free from everything that has held them bond and in captivity. God's desire for your life is that you, filled with his Spirit, would lead people to Jesus, not just inside the church on a Sunday morning, but wherever you may be, wherever you bump into people. God's intention for you, filled with the Holy Spirit, is that you wouldn't be downtrodden and defeated, bumbling through life, hoping that you just about make it to heaven, but that you would live an overcoming and victorious life, amen, where you would demonstrate the power of God but you would also display through your life and character his fruit in your life that you would be somebody that when people look at you they say do you know what that child of God that girl that man that whoever that person is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and gentle all these things that they would say that person is different why not because you're happy-go-lucky because you're filled with the power and the presence of God's Spirit within your life. That's God's desire for you. That's God's intention for every single believer. Being Spirit-filled means you don't just visit God on a Sunday morning. And I want to encourage you, if that's your experience of Christianity at the moment, it's okay, but it's not what God desired for you. God's intention is at this On a Sunday morning would be a celebration of all he's done throughout the week. Where we would be saying, do you know what? I prayed for my work colleague and I saw this happen. I spoke to my neighbour and they were led to Jesus. I I, I pray." And sometimes you may say, "I, I talked to this person about Jesus and they laughed at me. But that's okay, because what about the next one? Where we are living lives filled with God's presence. Where he shows his power through you. Where he leads you. Where you make wise decisions because he is leading you. Where you are in that place of the Holy Spirit showing his life in you and through you. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because God's intention for our lives is that we wouldn't be dormant. You know, you've kind of learned by now, if you've been in family church, haven't for a while. I didn't do brilliantly at school. But I do remember in geography they talked about volcanoes that, were active, and volcanoes that were inactive, they were called dormant, right? It strikes me that the Church of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking family, but just at large, is in a place across the globe where it's full of dormant Christians (coughs) who come to church, sing a few songs, and try all they can through behavior modification to change their lives but they're just getting more and more fed up and more and more distressed because so often the preaching has been diluted to just try these three keys and you may uh, overcome something in your own strength no, no no not by my not by my power but by the spirit says the lord god almighty and i feel like too often the church is full of inactive christians they, they are like those dormant volcanoes now volcanoes that are dormant have all the power, but aren't displaying it. And we thank God for that, for those living near a dormant volcano. But in a spiritual sense, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop allowing the lie of the enemy to rule your life, where you say, yeah, but I lived this way this week. Well, stop it. Stop living that way and start living the overcoming life that God has for you. And I speak to myself as well as to each and every single one of you this morning. But, but so often we live this dormant Christian lifestyle when we are filled with the very presence and spirit of God. But it's up to us. Because what we experience of Christianity is up to us. Not up to me as the pastor, not up to the church, up to us as individuals, God has done his part. If you're praying prayers like, God, would you do so?" God has already done his part. God has sent his spirit, and guess what? He hasn't taken it back. Don't allow people to lie to you that the enemy has taken the spirit of God away, or God only gave it for a moment. No, the spirit of God is alive and active in the life of everyday believers today. Amen. Today. Amen. But what we experience that is up to us individually. We have been given this gift Called the Holy Spirit. The question is, will we make use of a gift we have been given? So I want to ask you some questions as we close. Helen, you can come up, please, and we're gonna pray in just a moment. But I want to ask you a, a question. So, and these are rhetorical, okay? So, because when the first question is, are you finding Christianity boring? I don't want you, yeah, yeah, it's really dull. <laughs> but actually, I do want to ask you that. Are you finding Christianity boring? Because if you are, maybe it's because we aren't living in the power of what God has actually given to us. If you say, oh, you know, Christianity is so dull. Well, I read the book of Acts, it was not dull. So maybe it's actually down to us and not what God wants to do in and, and through our lives. Uh, are you living, are you finding living for God hard going? Now again, what I'm not saying is, are there challenges? Because Jesus said there would be challenges, Okay. So I'm not equating hard times with the Spirit of God leaving you or you not being good and none of that nonsense. But I'm talking about are we finding living for God hard going? It should be a joy to live for God. Irrespective of what's going on around. Sometimes there's going to be hardship. Jesus said there would be. Sometimes there's going to be trials and tribulations and even more so because you're a follower of Jesus. But are we living with joy knowing that we're a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you feeling defeated in your life? Are you feeling fed up in your battle with sin? Are you feeling hopeless and void of vision? Do you just kind of come on a Sunday morning and then it's, it's, you know, a a pick-me-up on Sunday afternoon and then you get to Monday and you're just empty? You're doing your work. On the weekend, you might have something to look forward to. You come to church on Sunday and the whole thing just starts again and you look one day and you think, oh, another five years have passed. Oh, another ten years. Have passed, But you're running on empty, you're living without vision. Do you maybe feel inadequate when somebody that you know is ill? Or when you speak to somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Are you feeling inadequate? You're like, oh, I don't know what to do in this moment, it's too, it's too big for me. Because if that's you, then maybe it's time to discover what it means to live a spirit-filled life. Well, we aren't just saved and sealed and regenerated by the Spirit, and thank God for that. But actually that we take on board everything that He has for us, and we live an incredible overcoming, full of the Holy Spirit, God-filled life. There will still be challenges, there will still be things that come your way, but you won't be doing it in your own strength, not by might, nor by human power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So, I'm just going to ask, why don't you just stand to your feet if you can. It's fine if you want to remain seated. But if you just stand to your feet. And I want you to remove every distraction. If you've got something in your hands or whatever, just, just put it down for a moment. We're not going to drag this out because, hey, God created the earth pretty quickly. God knows the time that we have in this moment. And I just want to lead us in a prayer today. But it's a prayer that I don't want us to pray for a feeling or a moment right now it's a prayer that I want us to pray with earnest hearts that begins the moment we step out of the doors today that continues tomorrow morning that still bears fruit on Wednesday evening that means that we come back next Sunday morning saying look what God has done in my life so maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before And you say, oh, yeah, no, I I know all of this. I I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1968. You can tell me where. You can tell me who was speaking, who prayed for you, what that looked like. My question is, are we living filled or are we dormant Christians this morning? Let's just, just repeat after me, if you would, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you For sending your Holy Spirit to live in me. Thank you that Jesus has made me pure and holy in order to receive him. I no longer want to be a dormant Christian, but I ask you Holy Spirit to fill me again this morning in order that this week would look different to any other. Let me just pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you fill your people this morning. Father, thank you for your omnipresence. Thank you that we can trust that there is nowhere in all of creation that you you are not. Thank you for your manifest presence. Thank you for moments where we experience your presence in a powerful way. And we say, surely the Lord was in this place. But Lord, I also want to thank you for the indwelling presence. Father, thank you that you come as our guide. You come as our teacher. You come with power. You come with authority. And Father, I thank you that Family Church Haven will be known as a church where we gather to celebrate but we scatter to live an overcoming Holy Spirit filled life that makes a difference not just to us but to every single person who encounters us Father I just want to speak against condemnation I really feel this strongly just as we close this morning But there's some people here today you're walking with huge condemnation in your life and the Holy Spirit wants to set you free from that right now Father we speak Against the lie of the enemy, the word is clear that the father, He is the Father of all lies. And whenever He opens His mouth to speak, he, lies are His native language. We break condemnation of people's lives today. Jesus, I thank you that because of you, we are set free and we are holy and blameless in your sight. Jesus, we thank you for being our high priest. We thank you for your blood that has been sprinkled upon our lives. And we speak against any condemnation in this place. Father, by your spirit, would you lift that condemnation? Would you lift that weight of guilt? Would you just lift that off people's lives that they would walk free? from only condemnation. Father, thank you that your word is clear that there is now no condemnation for those who belong and are in Christ Jesus. And Father, I just speak blessing upon every single person in this place. May everything that they put their hands to this week be blessed. May we be blessed in our coming and in our going. For your glory we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, if you're going to live a spirit-filled life this week, let's give him praise. And let's go and live a life that's different this week. God bless you all.